welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. On today's episode, love and relationship coach and psychotherapist Eduardo joins us for a conversation all about a new paradigm of healing and spirituality. Together we talk about integrating the transpersonal within Western modalities of therapy, following spiritual breadcrumbs, and leaning into the beauty of our imperfection. This is such a lovely conversation with Eduardo. I resonated so much so with a lot of his journey of trying to navigate how to work in the space of having gone through a Western education that is lovely in many ways, but also does not acknowledge the full picture of what it means for humans to be in their own spirituality, finding health and meaning in this world. This is definitely something that as you tune into the podcast, I'm going to be talking about more and more. This Western model of psychology asks us to diagnose an individual with a problem, a disorder, when I just want to ask the bigger questions of, is it really that person or is it the systemic environment that they've been in that has restricted their ability to have resources or the relational environment that they've been in where maybe their parents didn't have the emotional awareness or the availability to be there for them or is it the generational trauma that has occurred for generations before them all of these are important questions to be asking because the problem does not reside in the individual themselves it is much larger than that obviously there is a self that experiences all of these things and we have some sort of autonomy in this world to decide how we want to show up but a lot of what we come out to be is a result of our systems is a result of our family structures is a result of the culture and so when we're diagnosing people with these disorders i just think it's a problem notion when in reality it's much bigger than that so how do we Eduardo and I other healers in this space learn to use the education that we have from western thinking but also be cautious of the ways that it enacts colonial and other problematic views of humanity I think like Eduardo said that's going to be a lifelong journey and I hope all of you listeners out there that are tuning in will enjoy hearing how I tried to struggle and grapple with this as I'm starting my own nonprofit with sex and relationship education and yeah it's a interesting game uh one of the other podcast guests and I had talked about it Yoli like how do you be in this world of capitalism and not of it right this is a tricky question that I think I will keep exploring probably for a lifetime but that being said, there is also a lot of beautiful nuggets here that Eduardo shares about his own journey coming into spirituality, and he had used the word flirting with some of the initial signs of spirituality, and then stepping into it on a much deeper level and finding just a better experience of life through this. So, Eduardo, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom and expertise with all of the listeners here today. Y'all, tune in.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, it's nice to meet you. Do you have any questions about the podcast, about me before we start? Maybe, I don't know if you just want to give me like your usual like elevator speech. Sure, 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 sure. I mean, so my elevator speeches will chat for like an hour, 50 minutes. I mean, there's no rules, no necessarily any direction that we have to go in. Um, my expertise is in relationships and sexuality, right? So that's tend to what I have more to talk about, but also, you know, happy to talk about anything in any direction that really you want to take the conversation. Well, yeah. All right. Well, I... Yeah, I don't have like any expectations and I'm just ready to see what arises. Sure, 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 sure. So uh, how would you introduce yourself first? Gosh. <laughs> I know, I know. Take your time. I mean, so I guess I would say that I am, I'm the son of immigrants, of Mexican immigrants. I am a licensed psychotherapist and social worker in the state of Colorado. Um, and I am also a love and relationship coach. So I guess that's kind of me on like this professional front. Um, mm -hmm. But then again, there's so many layers to, <laughs> to people, right? Yes. Which is why I like to ask that question and leave it intentionally open as hell, right? Because then like people answer it on all different sorts of capacities. And I like to like just see where that goes. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm that's a lot of different avenues that we could probably embark on chat about is there anyone in particular that really calls to you that you'd like to explore in conversation together well i, I like bounce back and forth between using the word healer so I, I guess that's also a big part of like the work that i do that's mm -hmm. different is like kind of i guess my spiritual path yeah i don't know if you want to ask around like what my trajectory has been um, how I got to what I do, what I do. I don't know. Sure. I mean, as, if there's a story there, I, I really like to keep the space for, you know, like I already take up enough space. I direct the whole podcast into itself. So I like to take this like step back and like, whatever it is that you want to talk about, whatever it is you want to share with the world. Like, I'm really happy to hold that space for that dialogue. Yeah. So let's see. I, I feel like my life has been like major transition probably since COVID. Um, mm. I think that where I'm at right now in regards to like, I guess what I do is I started to shift from being like, quote unquote, conventional mm. and the work that I do, you know, like getting the Western education, the degrees, going through the licensure and having like, you know, the sign on your door and like mm -hmm. things like that. I, I very much have shifted from wanting that to like doing something that's maybe less conventional. <laughs> and, I, and I'm still in the process and who knows, maybe I'll always be in the process, right? I don't know, I, I, I feel like I'm guessing I'm not the only one that's going through sure. this encounter or this experience. And, and I do think that to some degree, I think that some of my work is to like help others <laughs> or like help mentor others or give them some nuggets around because it's there isn't like the terrain 
is so it feels so new and so fresh that mm. almost like people especially you know we're undergoing this huge paradigm shift right now um and we're being tasked to recreate and rebuild different structures and systems and and I kind of feel like I am in that path where I'm kind mm. of creating something different <laughs> and I'm mm -hmm. kind of building it as I go along. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to tell me more. What are what is this new paradigm that you're in, we're in and what are you creating? Gosh, <laughs> good question. Yeah. Well, I guess for me, it's been even just like a paradigm shift around like money mm. and like career. And what is that one should do? A lot of my work is in, non in the nonprofit and community um, agency realm. And I personally got to a point, and I think this is a very common story. It's like, you know, you eventually burn out or like at the end of the day, like there are a lot of facets of a lot of, a lot of jobs out there that are just not sustainable. And I think especially in the helping professions, I think that we when we encounter like these slumps or, you know, these barriers or we, we're just finding it's like no matter how much yoga we're doing or how much self-care we're doing, like they, something isn't working. Mm. And I, I think that what we tend to do in this individual society is that we internalize like something's mm. going wrong. Therefore, it must be my fault. Right. Mm. Um, so I think for me, it started with kind of realizing that some of these systems that I was partaking in. Um, some jobs that I had, even though I, you know, they're great people, like good intentions. I learned a lot, developed right. a lot of skills. Like right. at the end of the day, like I had to come to terms with how being in this, in these spaces, it was not serving me. It was not mm. serving like my highest, if you want to call it my higher self, right? Sure. Not even like half of what I knew my potential or my potentiality was. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess long story short, so I guess for me, <laughs> my in regards to like my career and my professional trajectory, so I went from working to nonprofits. Yeah. And then in grad school, it was when kind of the idea of maybe like private practice was a way out. <laughs> and then I started my private practice. And then even then I found that I was kind of, it, it was definitely for me, private practice was more sustainable. Yeah. Um, but still I, I was... And I am finding that, you know, I still have clients in, in my private practice, but there are certain pieces that I'm, I'm trying to shift and just find mm. some more sustainable ways of living and also like of helping people, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. So then, I mean, what is that looking like for you then? What are you envisioning? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm in the process. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, as mental health practitioners, what we do for the most part, you know, depending on each state, like it's pretty regulated. We we get a certain kind of education. Um, and I think for me, part of my process has also been, I guess I'll, I'll say it this way, like allowing for the transpersonal to come in mm. for the ancestral. So as of late, I have really been developing, for instance, I've been initiated into the Mayan priesthood. And you know that it's different from like, you know, I, I'm learning a lot of he healing modalities and like a lot of stories and mm. and rituals that according to if you want to see it from like certain Western perspectives, like it's it's pathology. Mm. It's not it's not evidence based. It's like like, for instance, like the idea of like seeing things. Right. It's like it's associated, it's associated with things like schizophrenia. Right. 
So, so even in that sense, I'm kind of, even though I'm doing this whole Western thing, I guess I'm trying to figure out how to integrate like mm. the, the shamanic, if you want to call it that, or, you know, sure. the, the transrational, the transpersonal, because it's very much been a part of my own healing journey. Like as much as I didn't want to, like there's just certain pieces that kept showing up that I had to like come yeah. to terms with. Like even how like I, I'm a part of like a lineage of healers. Mm. And yeah and even just like kind of processing and digesting how like it was something that was you know because of colonization and all the things like how like my immediate family like has maybe lost some lost touch of that and kind of being in a place where I'm trying to like piece it together and be Mm. like my family like they may they might not even know but like I definitely see like ways in which they've there's something about how they show up in the world that is very much like connected to like a healing lineage Mm -hmm. Uh, for instance my mother like she's she always remembers her dreams right yeah and I think every country not just Native Americans but like I think to some degree like at some point in every culture there was like a medicine that was practiced around interpreting dreams right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I guess with Westerners it eventually converted I guess into like Jungian psychology right or Jungian analysis and game interpretation yeah I feel like I've just I've said a, a whole lot there. So you did, yeah, you did. I mean, but I think it sounds like you're trying to find ways to kind of bridge the Western thinking with your spirituality, which is frequently disconnected and like shut off from like the rational versus the spiritual. And like, how can you find a way to integrate both with your experience as a psychotherapist and with your personal experience with healing? Yeah. And I think it's very much kind of what we're tasked to do, like in this era, right? This day and age is, I think, it's like the integration of the masculine and the feminine, right? Mm. The feminine being the intuitive, that which has been pretty much <laughs> like disintegrated or el- eliminated by violence, right? In a lot of ways, I guess I kind of, maybe I'm like this representation of this fusion, even just like culturally, you know, mm. being, being what pe- some people call it mestizo or like, yeah, being a descendant of both Spanish and indigenous blood, right? There's like, even within like my own develop- identity development process, there's been this need to integrate because it can be easy to want to like banish the side, uh, <laughs> like acknowledge the side that for me, like the Spaniard side, right? The colonizers and right the the brutalization that they, they perpetrated. And for others, it's the other side of the coin where like they're really ashamed of the indigenous, mm. right? Yeah, I mean, and how do you how do you connect those? How do you hold space for both of those? And yeah, bring them together. Yeah, so it's it, it seems like it's kind of it's manifested in a very like individual, personal like level in regards to like my own identity, but also like in a broader sense, it's also I guess what I'm tasked or I'm trying to do professionally in regards to like the way that we engage in healing, the way that we engage mm-hmm. in meaning making, as you know, this contemporary quote-unquote postmodern society would you be willing to share more about your own personal journey and how spirituality and these aspects have played through in your own healing uh sure (laughs) yeah where does that start (laughs) let's see so I guess if I want to kind of think of this chronologically I would say that the first thing I could well (laughs) I guess you know there's like the trauma the traumatic experiences that come Mm -hmm. from a young age the archetype of the healer, you know, usually the story of the healer involves some, you know, some difficult trials and tribulations, 
that they had to go through that, you know, mainly serve as their initial initiation. And then once they've kind of conquered that, you know, there's growth that happens, there's mm-hmm. healing that happens. Yeah. So I, I guess I don't know how much I want to get into like my, my childhood trauma, but I think in a sense, you know, the adverse experience that we encounter and they very much are an initiation. Certainly. Yeah. I'm here to hold space if you want to talk about it. And if it also feels too personal in a public setting, like I also get that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also thinking like, okay, like what's, what's relevant here. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I grew up, I guess for the most part, I guess for me, my parents are immigrants. I came to the U S when I was three and yeah, this is a tough one because I don't know how much I should disclose about family matters, but. Whatever feels good to you, yeah. Yeah, I guess long story short, like, given certain relationship dynamics, like, I I, I guess I would say that I grew up with a lot of complex trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess, you know, microaggressions <laughs> that mm-hmm. eventually tend to weigh, like, like, I identify as queer. Um, so, like, growing up, like, person of color, queer, right. right? Right. And then also in like family systems that weren't maybe the healthiest at times. Mm. So, you know, there's that. And then coupled with, yeah, going to college as a first generation college student in predominantly white institutions in America is a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. just going to say that, articulate yeah. that very clearly. Yeah. So I guess for me, in regards to my healing journey, I would say that my healing, I started to take my healing journey more seriously, maybe under my undergrad. So I studied architecture. So my degree was in like environmental design and I minored in ethnic studies. And at the time, the program I was part of, for me, felt like a very toxic, Mm. classist experience. You know, a lot of microaggressions on a daily basis. And it was also my first time leaving like my neighborhood, which was predominantly low income, you know, Latino, Mexican-American immigrants. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. I had a, a lot of enriching experiences in my undergrad. I was introduced to like a lot of social justice movements. I began to cultivate my critical consciousness in my undergrad. You know, I, had a, I met a lot of amazing professors and mentors. And at the same time, I had a very difficult undergraduate experience. Mm, mm. I was close to dropping out several times. Oh, yeah. Like I had many existential crises Mm, mm -hmm. and I barely, like, I feel like I barely like survived and graduated, honestly. So what made it difficult, honestly, as well, was that I wasn't taking care of my mental health, even though the the school offered free therapy. Like for me, it just seemed too taboo. And Mm. it wasn't until after undergrad that I eventually started my own therapy. And I've been pretty much in therapy like 10 plus years now. And ultimately, that's why I decided to be a therapist. Sure, sure. So yeah, it was very much, it was it was having like navigated through my undergraduate experience that for me, it was very clear that I needed some sort of, I don't know, I needed something to recover from that experience. Sure. I was 22. I was like, okay. So I was four years in this, you know, difficult traumatic environment so who knows maybe it's going to take me four years to recover so I actually created like a timeline like a recovery timeline for my undergraduate program and I I got into yoga and then how old was I I think I was either 22 or 23 Mm -hmm. where I I got a job as an admissions counselor at a Buddhist university 
and they you know their thing was like they're heavy on like permaculture and like using the environment to like heal and like there is there's pretty much it wasn't like a requirement per se there was pretty much this expectation that if you were a student there or work there you were probably buddhist and you were mm -hmm. going to meditate <laughs> so it was there that i was introduced to um to meditation to mindfulness and to different um tibetan buddhist um, lineages yeah and it was it was so i was doing yoga i was meditating and i would say that that's kind of where like you know the healing the healing process started for me and then ultimately like in my 20s like i got super into yoga um i did my teacher training mm -hmm. at some point and then i got into other things like reiki qigong and then let's see also in my late 20s i started apprenticing to purandera who was still one of my mentors and then last year i actually i got initiated into mayan priesthood yeah which is the most recent one so i guess i'd like to ask like for the listener who doesn't know what that even entails how would you begin to describe that journey uh for the mayan priesthood yeah, or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of different pieces there. The spirituality, it seems like that's the most recent. But I mean, I think I think we could spend time just talking about all those pieces of what that even means. I think a lot of people right. here in this conversation wouldn't know what even like, yeah, Reiki, you know, like all these pieces. Right. So there's something about that that I would like to highlight. And it's, you know, mm -hmm. I, call, I, think I called it like the transrational, transpersonal, like there are things that happen that we can't we can't quantify <laughs> or we can't we can't even rationalize sometimes you know that that are hard to articulate um and i think the the medical model you know in in the us is very much kind of because there are certain pieces of it that you can't really quantify like it's kind of like i don't know the medical model is kind of seen as like bullshit pseudoscience you know but I think as a person engaging in a deep healing journey, it's like, it's like you can't help but notice certain things. And to some degree, like you get to a point where like those things like pretty much force you to like, to see them and to interact. And I, I, I'm saying this because I think it's, it's a precursor to the mind path. Sure. Because the mind path, there's a lot of aspects to it, or even how, it, you know, one engages in healing that are very like, hard to explain or that sure, yeah. aren't quantifiable or you can't use like reason or logic, which is a very Western tool. So I think for me, before I got to the place of being initiated, I think I went to like this whole journey of like flirting with certain elements or like with accepting them, coming to terms with like my own path. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I think at some point, uh, probably up until like my mid to late 20s, I didn't want to engage in this path. <laughs> yeah. And I kept like going through difficult experiences and like for most of my life, I wanted to, to live this quote unquote normal, like sedentary lifestyle. I wanted to drink on the weekends and like, you know, do what people my age tend to do, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, even though I knew that, you know, I had this other calling that was like, <laughs> hey, like, yeah. And for me, it took like falling hard, falling flat on my face several times to be like, okay, <laughs> like yeah. this, the sedentary path that I'm like, I want to live. It's not for me. And I need to, I need, I need to try out the other path that's mm. for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it became very clear. Yeah. And it was a process. Like it's still a process of like seeing it or like looking into it was like, for instance, I would have, 
I would have, I would dream something. And then a few days later, the thing that I dreamt was like happening in real life. Mm. And then, so that, like, that's how it started for me. Or Sure, sure. Or just, you know, like, like little like coincidences or serendipitous moments associated with something that I was doing right or wrong. So that's kind of how it started for me. And when it did, I was very much in this place because I didn't know, like, I didn't have a mentor at the time. I didn't know what was going on. I was sure. like, am I going insane? <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but it started to show up in multiple places, right? The, you, the serendipity, the dreams. Yeah, or just things, even like the way that I got like my job at the Buddhist university, like it was like it, the job came like right when I like started looking. Like literally I had a, a professor, a mentor for my undergrad who's an African-American woman who like I hadn't heard from her in years. And she was like, hey, like I, I came across someone who like worked with you um, the other day and they said that you might be looking for work. She was like, FYI, I'm like the director of an admissions department at the school. You might want to check it out. And that was literally the week that I like started job hunting. Wow. So it just and- showed up at your door. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, the path of you, if you pay attention, you know, there's all sorts of like, you know, a friend calls them spiritual breadcrumbs. Mm, I love that. Yeah. But you were hesitant to, to follow the path. Yeah, I was resistant for sure. And also, you know, I grew up, I grew up very Catholic and like, my, there's just certain things that like my family to this day, like they don't believe or, yeah, you know, yeah. Or things that simply, you know, because of colonization, they're considered, you know, to be with witchcraft or dangerous, right? Right. But yeah, ultimately, I, I think it was for me, I just got to the point where like, I was trying to live a certain life that wasn't for me. And like, I just kept getting like knocked down really hard. <laughs> I got to the point where I was like, okay, like, like, I have to, I have to explore like this healing thing that, you know, I'm curious um, about. And yeah, like, sure enough, like slowly, you know, it's taken time. Like I, I continue to like, yeah, I don't know, to nourish, to, to look into my meditation. Like I went from probably being able to meditate like a minute to 30 seconds to like now, like I would love to attend like a two week meditation retreat. I feel like, uh, mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like if I didn't have any bills, I would totally go meditate in the woods for like two months. Sure, 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 sure. And just yeah, yeah. let go. Right. But it's been, it's been a process to like to cultivate different skills. I think the big one <laughs> that I'm still learning is like cultivating one's intuition. Uh, oof, you like, and me both. Yeah. Tell me about it. I need to learn too. So tell me more. <laughs> yeah. Learning, le- learning to trust my gut. Like that's still like I've come a long way and it's, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to be a lifelong journey with that one. Sure. 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 I mean, it's, I feel like it's hard. I mean, it's another one of the parts of like um, the word that was coming up for me was like surrender, right. In that, that moment to the spiritual bread comes to the, you know, signs in your gut that are coming up to surrender and trust that can be really scary for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and I think for me, that's also been, you know, it's been a journey, like learning how to surrender. Like, Oof. yeah, because it's, it's scary, right. Especially if you grew up in like conditions of scarcity or like being told to like not trust, right. Yeah, it can mm-hmm. be it can be hard to trust the universe. Um, mm-hmm. I think initially, but it does get easier. I know that when I was transitioning out of doing like um, 
community mental health to doing private practice work. Yeah. It was difficult for me because I kept getting in the way and like my scarcity narratives were very heavy. You know, there was fear, right? Of like, like, I hate this agency job. Like, it's like, I come home crying every day. Mm. Like, I've never been so depleted in my energy. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, I, I, I get a paycheck. Like, my income is predictable. I know what I'm getting into. Even though it's horrible right. and it's not for me, I know what it is. And there's right. something like that. So I guess I'm saying this because for me, I think that was where I, I had huge lessons in, like, learning how to trust the universe. I know like that was a time where it's like like I knew like I had to leave the organization mm. <laughs> like mm. like things were to a point where it just wasn't tolerable for me and yeah. like for me it got to that point where it was like you're gonna have to jump <laughs> like regardless Oof. like Oof. like you have no choice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me then it was I very much asked the universe to like to to be to be kind you know to show me to show me like a past of like least suffering you know and by then like I was I, I already knew enough about spirituality and like how things happen and like the you know like like I very much knew that I had to make this leap right and I think what I did is I was very like in my prayers and in my meditations like I would ask the universe to like to essentially to validate like yeah. the decisions that I would make right right for instance like I don't know like if I needed to, I don't know, buy my or like register my LLC that week, like I was going to get some sort of validation by the universe that I was doing a good job. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, who knows, maybe like the validation was like s- sitting in traffic and seeing, you know, the car in front of you, like seeing a sticker that says like you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> like giving mm-hmm. you those, you know, those nuggets. Those moments. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 The small little signs. So for me, it was very much, I learned a lot from transitioning into my private practice just because I very much had a trust. Yeah, I had a trust and I, <sighs> and I also had to build my practice like as I was going along because I did not have like thousands of dollars saved up to like buy an office and to, to buy all the things that you need. Right, practice. right, right. But it seems like that leap of faith was one where you were held and, and it thrived, right? Yeah, and it was, you know, it was where I had to trust my God, even though it felt horrifying, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess for me, ever since doing, having done that leap and having gotten the validation from the universe, I feel like I've gotten a lot better. <laughs> and I'm in a much better place now in my life. Like, mm. yeah, I'm just so grateful. Like, I'm like another a whole different human being. And I'm so, yeah. like, my nervous system feels so much more lighter and uh. Uh, than it did back then beautiful 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 and at the same time it sounds like if I was hearing you correctly that there's also like this weight that comes with the private practice that isn't sustainable um I guess for me it's and so this is part of my personal journey is I'm kind of reckoning with like how much of my journey or my I don't know if you want to call it a mission even though it has mm-hmm. it's like Christian connotations right sure <laughs> um, purpose so for me, it came to like kind of, and I'm still kind of reckoning like what it is, what it really is that I'm destined to do. Yeah. And I still, I don't know that in the long term, like therapy is going to be the thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm continuing to cultivate my, my spiritual, I want to call them shamanic, like gifts. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm thinking that part of my work is actually going to be more like more spiritual than what a traditional therapeutic container can can offer. Sure, sure. So tell me more about that. How do you see that coming through? Um, or what do you hope? You know, like I want to learn about your spiritual side that, yeah, I don't know necessarily, right? I'm in a similar world of getting a Western education. You know, I, I teach yoga. That's probably about the closest I get to any of this. So I'd love to hear. Yeah. And I don't want to talk bad about Western education. I mean, we should <laughs> a little it, bit. We should. Yeah, some of it is pretty horrible, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah. Patriarchal. Uh-huh. Hey, <laughs> um, yep. But, you know, within my clinical training, so I, I got my master's in social work. I got MFT training as well. And now I'm getting a PhD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so some of my Western clinical training, like, like it was helpful and it is. Um, for me, even though there's parts that are problematic, like learning about secure attachment is super helpful. Sure, I agree. Um, especially in the work that I do with couples and people, you know, struggling with relationships. Um, but I do think that we need to integrate like other aspects of healing that have been super, what words do I use? I, I guess for me, something something holds validity if people have been using it for thousands of years. Even this concept of like validity in relation to like scientific pursuits, it's, it's so new. It's, it's not even like 500 years old, right? And people really have to like look into like how processes of empirical validity also came about during colonial projects. Sure. So I guess I'm trying to figure out how to integrate like what's good from the Western, <laughs> like what's helpful with, with that that's also helpful from like what our ancestors did thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of years maybe millions of years mm-hmm. so what i see maybe like in the long term is i i think i love to mentor and i do think that part of the work that lies ahead of me serves in some sort of teacher role mm-hmm. and i yeah i wouldn't mind even just having like my own i don't know organization where like like people come and like i teach them like how to give a healing for instance mm-hmm. or even just like I think there's something that I'm still trying to figure out and it's just how to like bring back a community element to our sure, process. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's because I've seen a mentor of mine like do this, like, she, like I found a very amazing sense of community with her and just like the offerings and like, you know, the things that she offered, whether it was like having ceremony or like teaching a class on something. So I wish to have something similar. Mm-hmm. you know that shows people like this is this is how you can liberate yourself from the various shackles that we all have been conditioned and programmed into like this is how you can heal your body your mind your spirit mm-hmm. and this is how you can uplift and support the rest of humanity because mm. we need it we very much need it right and thinking about systems right i mean finding that community is where you can thrive grow be changed challenged find connection. I mean, that is a whole piece of the equation, you know, like even thinking about therapy, right? You have a one session a week, maybe more, right? Like that is one moment compared to the multitude of other systems that us and all of our clients like exist in. So yeah, I think trying to integrate a way where we can find community, community healing and community connection is a whole piece of the healing equation that's really left out in a lot of our current healing modalities. Yeah, even in in changing systems around time mm. and paradigms around time, 
Sure, yeah, what do you mean? So this might get a little abstract here. But... Oof, take me down a rabbit hole, please. <laughs> so time has aided in coloniality. To some degree, like how we engage in time has been socially constructed. So current paradigms that we have with time and money, for instance, are that we have to clock in at a certain time. We have to work at a certain time. We have to produce at a certain time. We have to produce at a certain quantity. Like these are paradigms around time and money that are no longer sustainable, that are crumbling. We've seen this with COVID, right? There are several examples. And I do think that we're kind of in this time where those paradigms, those ways of seeing and interpreting of showing up in the world around that have to do with time and work, like they're crumbling, they're not sustainable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I do think that part of my work or what I'm trying to figure out for myself is how to engage in healthier paradigms around time yeah. and and money for instance it's like I don't I don't want to work 50 hours a week I don't want to work 40 hours a week I don't even know if I want to work 30 or you know maybe yeah. 20 would be ideal for me yeah yeah so I'm trying to find like systems where I can you know I can pursue my passion I can do what my calling is I can do what I love mm -hmm. and I can get paid well for it and I can also have time for family. I can also have time for my loved ones. I can have time to cultivate community. Right. And I do think right. that that's the paradigm that we're slowly shifting in, whether <laughs> we agree, whether we're on board with, with this or not, like these old paradigms are crumbling. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I do hope that I am part of, part of a wave of people who are trying to figure out like, okay, like what does life look like after capitalism? Yeah, right. Because maybe your whole purpose isn't to make money and to work. Yeah. Just a question, you know? I mean, you're you're spot on. I mean, and there used to be times where people would work seven days, you know, longer shifts. And there was a huge paradigm shift, um, you know, to even just the five day a week work week with 40 hours and that was a whole paradigm shift from before that where we worked even more and so yeah thinking about covid thinking about where we're at as a society i think there might be a lot of shifting to yeah what is my work life balance because i think a lot of people don't right. have that yeah and in order to create that shift we also need to do <laughs> do our work and like healing our bodies and our minds mm, right yeah. it's like like we have such a scarcity mentality yeah like, i'm guilty of like it's i i feel like that's gonna be like lifelong work for me sure to trust. like trust and like also recognizing the worth and the value that i have within these systems mm-hmm mm -hmm. i 100 percent agree what does that mean for you gosh i i think for me it, it means standing in my power regardless of where i am or who i'm around yeah for me it requires a lot of courage <laughs> because mm. at you know as a brown queer like fat person like mm. people don't <laughs> don't like it when I'm staying in my power people don't like it when I take up space and certain you know people get nasty when like I, I'm even thinking of like the times I've like taken a flight like I've been really? on an airplane like like I've had like white women like throw tantrums because I have a nicer seat than they do like wow so I think it does to some degree, it requires for me to consistently like show up in my power to, to walk gracefully, regardless of like the tantrums that people, people are throwing. Mm -hmm. And I think if anything, I really want people to, to hold on to that because we're in a place as these systems continue to crumble, like people 
who benefit from these systems and who want to hold them in place, we're going to see their inner three-year-old come out even more than we have. Like, if you thought that stuff was bad around, like, Karen's policing and, like, that type of stuff, like, it's going to, I do think that we're going to see a lot more tantrums along the way. Yeah. Yep. 100%. And how do you continue to take that space that you deserve to have and also keep yourself safe right knowing that those tantrums are going to happen you know this is where some of my like psychological and therapeutic training training can be beneficial or instrumental and like setting energetic boundaries setting (sighs) boundaries with people and like not not internalizing what other people are projecting at you right it took me a long time to learn this but we have to set boundaries with everybody and everything mm-hmm. like we just do. Mm-hmm. And also I think as, so there's two pieces to this. When people look at us funny, when people talk badly of us, if we don't set boundaries, we can internalize, right? Yeah. So we can create shame. We can create internalized oppression. We internalize our narratives and be like, oh, like I'm horrible. Like I must not exist. Like, We need to create those boundaries and realize that we do not have to take on people's projections of us, right? So that's one thing. And then the other piece for me, I think as a highly empathic, spiritual person, I don't know, you want to call me an empath or healer or whatever. I constantly have to remind myself that I am not a receptacle for other people's shit. (laughs) You know, there's, I've, I've seen people who like, who are like therapists, for instance, who when they're in public, they don't tell other people they're therapists because there's like this assumption that you can just dump like. Yeah. On oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another big one is like also reminding yourself again, this goes back to like reminding yourself of like your power and like your value mm-hmm. and like being careful, of like what energy you let in, like how you take on other people's energy. Sure, sure. I mean, I think those are both very powerful things to even talk a little bit more about. I mean, the the first piece you had mentioned of like when people are projecting out to you and saying things about you, learning to not internalize that, that is tricky work first. I mean, I think it's hard to not hear that and think that, you know, somehow that person knows something about me. Like I'm with you in the sense of like, in our training and understanding part of what we learn, I think is like the lens that other people have, the perspective that other people have and how that is uniquely theirs and it gets projected out onto you, right? But I think before going through this training and stuff like that was not something that I had. I always felt like, oh, that person must know the real truth about me, right? And then we start to identify with what's being projected onto us, which is even scarier. And it's like a lot of the times, like those people don't even know you. (laughs) I know. That's another thing I think being people like people of color people from marginalized backgrounds is like we've always been scapegoated Mm -hmm. right even like intuitive people like thinking back like thinking about witch hunts like sure like certain people have always been scapegoated so like it's easy and essentially like i'm thinking about like how people assume that they can direct their funky energy towards me right because i'm the only person of color i'm the only person who isn't doesn't present in a certain way right right whereas you know it's it's hard it's hard to receive that and some of it can it can feel really unsettling I just a few days ago like I was at the gym and Mm -hmm. like this woman was 
very very aggressive to me for no reason and it, it like like it shook me like I was yeah off filter like the whole day right 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 um, like it can be difficult sometimes but I think we need to we need to continue to like push against that <laughs> like and it, and it might not be easy right and mm -hmm. I think a lot of what I'm speaking to requires some degree of like courage and warriorship mm. yeah the warriorship word that that hits for me Mm -hmm. yeah um resma like he he talks about like the somatic feeling of like quaking right some things are so unsettling that they make you quake right but we need to allow for the quaking we need to allow for that energy to move through us right sure 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 and, sure and that's where the work is mm. yeah which is whatever sort of healing modality allows it to move through you. Like, how do you move that energy once you know you have that unsettling occurrence? I mean, I know breath, other stuff like that, but like, how do you move the energy? Well, it's hard because we, first of all, I think we have to open ourselves to it, <laughs> which we don't want to do oftentimes, right? Mm. It's like what yoga and what meditation do is they soften you up. <laughs> they, they turn you into sponges, right? If, if you're not careful, right, you become a sponge of everybody's energy. But I think with that is we have to, <laughs> softening is part of the process. Mm -hmm. Having an open heart is part of the process. And when it happens, like we have to allow the stuff to move through, mm -hmm. right? That's where like grieving work is so important, right? That's where processing our emotions is important. Allowing ourselves to feel, to feel the quaking, to feel the pain mm -hmm. and allow for it to move, <laughs> to, to get the hell out, right? Right, right. Which I think what you said earlier of even like thinking about the paradigms of, of work and capitalistic structure that we have now, like, sometimes there's just no space for that sort of processing, you know, some I got to go work tomorrow, I got shit to do tomorrow, you know, I don't have time to sit and talk about this, right. So I think a lot of our society is holding so much pain that is unprocessed un not flowing through right because of the structures that we currently have that just keep building on of like various pressures. Right. That's why slowing down can be a radical act, which for me, I find it funny, right? That doing nothing is so radical and revolutionary. No, in, a, in a capitalistic structure. Hell yeah, that's radical. Yeah, because it's not, I'm not producing. Oh no, where is my self-worth? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm also curious as a fellow empath, right, if we use that word, like, what do energetic boundaries mean for you? How do you protect yourself energetically? Asking for help for me, you know, like, how, how do you do this work? So for me, that's where spirituality comes in. Mm. Thankfully, I'm in a place in my spiritual journey where I have so many tools <laughs> that yeah. I like to set an intention in the morning. Like, mm. so for me, it consists of saying some sort of prayer um, either in the morning or before going to bed. Because the way that I perceive going to bed is that I'm I'm going from one one life to another life or one portal yeah. to another. So I don't also need to protect my energy here. Like I also need to protect my energy in the dream spaces that I go into. Sure, sure. So some things that I do is I call, I work with Archangel Michael a lot. And just FYI, like archangels existed before any Christian religion or institution. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like a lot of elements, <laughs> I, I might piss off some Christians here or Catholics, but do it, do it. But you know, archangels were also something that was appropriated by other traditions mm -hmm. and that existed. But anyways, that's a whole other classic, classic colonialism. 
Um, so what I do, what I like to do is I like to call in Archangel Michael every morning mm-hmm. when I remember. <laughs> Obviously, I don't do anything perfectly. Sometimes I sure, forget, right? human. But I like to call in Archangel Michael and I ask him to cut any cords between me and any other people who mm. my energy gets corded to. Mm. So I usually ask him to cut cords and I ask him for protection. Um, I ask him to create a, a sphere of protective white light around me, around my home. Yeah. I've kept tabs on like when like what happens when I do it. And usually when I call my angel Michael, like I'm good. Mm. <laughs> like and also I, I work with different guides and different medicines that are very powerful that I know like have my back regardless. Sure. So so yeah, I mean that's what I do. <laughs> um I also want to acknowledge that it can be hard for people, like, especially like when we have religious trauma. That's me. Right? Hi. Um, yep. Right. Because a lot of, you know, spirituality, it can, it can trigger or can make people think like, oh, like a certain religion, right. That traumatized me or that hurt me. It's a process to disentangle like institutions of power that have used, you know, the name or the guise of spirituality, right. But it's important work. Like we need to like untangle that because our healing is spiritual, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the second you said prayer, I grew up Christian and have a lot of trauma with that experience. So instantly I was like, well, well, I I can't pray every morning and night because I used to do like, yeah, it's a complete like, how do I untangle my spirituality from these practices that have caused harm? And so make me a little bit more adverse to even say the word prayer. Mm Mm-hmm. I know I definitely had a time in my life where I was super anti and it was when I was learning about colonization right I was like f everything (laughs) like I guess one thing that helped me was to like to learn about even get like a historical analysis of like spirituality and how like things were turned you know were appropriated or like watered down it like spirituality, the, the spirituality that I engage in does not produce trauma. Mm. It does not devastate the environment. It does not create harm. Like it's different. It almost brings the exact opposite, dare I say, right? Yeah. Maybe more love, more capacity, right? Taking care of yourself means that you can show up better for the people that you serve by doing that work. It's It's almost the direct opposite. And at least that's always what I have hoped to create my understanding of spirituality is what brings me healing. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody else, but like on our own personal journeys, what are the things that bring you healing? And that is a spiritual practice. Yeah, and it's tough. It's tough. I I, I for sure had a lot of <laughs> horrible experiences with like the church and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've always just been like against being the like, oh, like she's a spiritual person, like the yogi, like the like negative connotation of the woo-woo person that seems to not be anywhere on reality, right? Like, so I think my intellectual sides too have had a hard time grappling with even the word spirituality and like what that means. And other people look at me as spiritual and I'm like, oh, that's funny because I don't always feel that way. So I think I'm, I'm still in that process of grappling with it for sure. Yeah. It's, it's a process and a journey for all of us. And mm-hmm. we can't just rely on quote unquote spirituality either, right? Because that can also be a form of escapism. We need to be super cautious too, because it can be easy to invalidate people's experiences by like just being like, oh, just meditate more or, you know. 
Oh, sure, 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 sure. I see what you're saying. Yeah. To just get over the trauma through meditation rather than honoring the the true experience and the grief and the pain that is all there. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, we need to practice discernment, right? Right. With all things, right? And And that sort of thing doesn't come down in a sort of like this or that option, sort of ethicalness, right? And discernment is way more complicated, more factors to all of it. Yeah. And our journeys are complex and they're ours too. Like at the end of the day, like we each have our own sacred journey, like certain yeah. things that jive with one person are not going to jive with the other. And that's right. okay. Right, right, right. Like it's, it's ours to pull today and we pick and choose what we want and what helps us. If you could look back at your younger self, you know, before you started this spiritual journey, is your, is there anything that you would say to them? Uh... I think I would say you are brilliant. Mm. Don't let anyone take away your shine. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Affirmations. Yeah. And that alone yeah. unlocks so much to, to feel secure in yourself and to feel secure in the wondrous capacities that are you as a human, right? I mean, that, that alone is spirituality and healing. Yeah. And there's another thing that I wanted to say about that is that, you know, especially when you're a person, you know, who's quote unquote different or who's an empath or, or even just like people who maybe, you know, maybe you're artistic or you, you're, you're not, you're like a circle or a square peg, right? Mm -hmm, <laughs> like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. deep down, like we know who we are, like we know what we have to offer the world, right? We know if you shine, like, like you, you deep down, I think, you know, the worth of your shine. And what's tough is that oftentimes we grow up in places, places and people who, because of their own trauma, they cannot see your shine. And I think it took me a long time to like, to stop seeking validations from others. It's like, Oof. who couldn't see certain facets of me that I knew had a lot to offer. And I guess I want to say that to the people out there who like are looking for people to validate their shine, like, you know, maybe those people can't see your shine because of their trauma. Mm. That has nothing to do with you. Mm. I think that's so hard to do when that person is loving you in a, in a quote unquote healthy way, you know, like that's so I, at least personally, that's easier for me to do when like, it's like, oh, clearly they're being abusive. Clearly it's unhealthy. Right. But like, I think there's a lot of functioning in relationships where it's just like this dull little, like, sure, that's your little thing that you're working on this, like invalidation of your experiences, right. That do, like, don't honor the right. shine that you have, but it's not so clear as like right. abuse or other sorts of pieces and like navigating that is so tricky. Yeah, and oftentimes the people in our lives, they want the best for us and they're not actively looking to harm right. us, right? Right. And also, like, one thing that I, I appreciate from Buddhism, which is where I learned it, is that people are doing the best from their point of view, right? Like, oftentimes our parents or caretakers are doing the best from their environment, their context, their lived experience. And we also have to honor that. Yeah. Right. And we have to empathize with that. Mm hmm but have boundaries of protection at the same time. And that's like, that's the tricky piece, I think, of like maintaining the relationships, the connection, but also maintaining boundaries to protect yourself against the ways that maybe they don't understand your light because that does affect how you see yourself. Right. And I think that goes back to intuition, seeing the red flags or knowing when you might be in danger, right? 
I don't know, there's something about that's making me think of intuition. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Well, because deep down, you kind of know, you know, in your gut, you can feel it. And I think at least personally, the more I've had like a self-love practice, right, of like honoring myself and knowing I have a light, the more I can like see when other people aren't meeting me and the understanding that I at least hold for myself. And like, that's something I can feel in my gut, especially in those dynamics where it's not clear, like red flags of abuse and other things it's like it's it's something very like oh i just kind of feel like their image of me in their mind it's not as loving as the one i have of myself right and that's and i i think yeah that's the hard part right i was going to say something totally it's <laughs> okay totally <laughs> yeah that's okay that's okay i mean i'm speaking to myself over here these are my current like journeys of navigating that connection boundaries maintaining your light all of these pieces it's and oh, I was going to say something about ego strength. Oh, yeah, go for it. I think as I, you know, in my psychological training, as I learned more about like how we cultivate and develop, you know, our sense of I-ness, your sense of self, like, yeah, like I, I think I've gotten better at detecting like where people are mm. and b- being okay, being more non-judgmental around, oh, yeah, they can't, they can't hold something for me. And that's okay, because that's, that's where they are. I'm not, I'm not going to get mad at it. I'm not going to attach myself to it. I'm not going to create narratives. I'm just going to accept that, you know, that's mm-hmm. where they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hold space for them in that way. And then at least for me, when I hear that, what I think about is like boundaries of like, maybe I have a relationship with that person, but I don't talk to them about the things I want to process, you know, with my community, because I know that they might not have that space. And it doesn't mean I have to cut them out of my life completely and be like, you know, we can't have a connection, but it's like, I have kind of like you said before, right, energetic boundaries, emotional boundaries of like, who I process things with, who I share pieces with, depending on like, exactly that of like knowing where they're at. Yeah, and it can be a hard lesson. There's probably a lot of pain and suffering behind like like in between like getting to that point of being like that's where they're at and that's okay oh yeah let me tell you I'm grieving (laughs) grieving some relationships now currently of like that's where they're at and that's and that's okay yeah I want to hold a little bit of space as we come to the end of our time here if there is anything that was lingering for you that you really wanted to chat about that maybe we didn't hit on otherwise I have a closing question yeah, we hit so many things. Um, it's not, nothing's coming to mind, so okay. I'll let you take it away. All right. Well, then the question I ask everyone on the podcast is, what is one thing that you wish other people knew was more normal? Um, I would replace the word normal with common because normal doesn't exist. <laughs> and normal does have, it, it is associated with white supremacy as well and white supremacist modes of thought and so I guess I would rephrase it to like what people what you would want people to know that is more common than they think yeah exactly I I think the intentionality behind the question was always like what is a shared human experience maybe what are the pieces that we hold in shame and doubt feeling like we're the only ones that ever go through this. And like, really, this is a shared experience of humanity that a lot of people experience. Yeah. And I I see it with the clients that I work in. It's like, I think we all have such high expectations from ourselves. And like, we tend to be so self-critical. And I guess what I would say to that is that it's like, we're all imperfect. 
And that's what makes us, it's, it's the imperfections in us that make us amazing. You know, like I think a lot of people in the marketing world, people are finding that authenticity and like people who look like they have some sort of like human flaw, like those are the people that people want services from. Those are the people that people want to buy products from, not like this persona of like the supermodel that was totally like fabricated and like, right. you know, like all the, with all the Photoshop and like, it's like the marketing world is now finding that, oh, if you, I don't know, if you mumble in between sentences, if you're not the most attractive, like, like people connect with that. Mm -hmm. People connect to your, to your rawness and your vulnerability. So I would say for people who are aspiring to be perfect or, or to be, I don't know, some sort of better version of themselves is that it's like the, that, and I think someone has said this at some point, it's like, sure, sure. it is through the cracks that the light is able to shine through, right? So like honor those cracks, mm. love those cracks, mm. like love your imperfections and your awkwardness because mm. that is, that is what makes you amazing. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, that hits home for me, you know, someone trying to make this podcast and do I edit out all the ums or the, the times I mess up in my words and all these other pieces of things. So like that, I mean, that hits home for me too. And I'm sure with a lot of people of like, how can we honor our humanity? And in that then let go of this idea of perfection, which I think even when you look out in nature, that's not what you see. You don't see these perfect structures. I mean, crystals, sure, maybe, okay. But like, otherwise, you know, like you see these like beautiful vines that take completely different shapes and other sorts of things. And it's not just this like perfect every single time. And like, that's the beauty of nature. Right, it might sound cliche, but we're, in, it's like the imperfection is the perfection, right? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Well, it was a pleasure to chat with you and hear about your spiritual journey and where you're going. I'll be excited to see, you know, like give yourself another 10 years and like, what is the work that you're going to be doing? Yeah, we'll see. The sky's the limit, so. Yes, you hold on to that. Hell <laughs> yes. Is there anywhere for people that want to connect with you that you'd want to plug? Sure. I mean, I have my website. It's, um, it's my name. So it's Eduardo, E-D-U-A-R-D-O. And then my last name is Viesca, B for Victor, I-E, Z for Zebra, C for Cat, A for Apple. So it's EduardoVieska.com. Great. Yeah, that's my website. Great. And then I'll have that hyperlinked below so people can check it out and stay up with what you're doing. And I'll be interested to see yeah, your trajectory and your growth. Thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Mm -hmm. If you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're a part of the Anarchist community, then follow us on Instagram or nominate a guest for the show by sending in a letter to modernanarchypodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.